Hi, and welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, streaming live from Queens, New York. We're so excited you joined us today. No matter where in the world you are, we want you to know that you're family. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the journey, and uh, so glad to be hanging out with you today, wherever you are watching from. Uh, My name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor, and I'm grateful for you that you are tuning in with us today. And as you're watching, I want to encourage you to do just one thing, all right? At the end of the service, I would love the opportunity to connect with you via Zoom right after the service. Uh, We've got our Zoom community groups where it's a time where we connect with everybody deep in the words that we hear in the message. And the good news is it's only for 15 to 20 minutes long. Our online hosts, they're going to put a link in the chat for you to join. And I want to encourage you, just do it. Sign up, click that link, join us right after the service. Now, today's a big day because we're kicking off a brand new teaching series called The Struggle Is real, how to make sense of our finances. And so what we're going to do is over the next five weeks, we're going to talk about a very important yet an often neglected area of our lives. We're going to talk about personal finances and what does God's word have to say about our finances. Now, as we begin, I get it, right? I mean, let's be honest. The topic of money is a little bit awkward, right? I mean, whether you're talking about money with your family or your friends or your neighbors, money is always awkward to talk about, especially here in church, right? Now, why are we doing this series? Well, the reason why is because a new survey was released at the end of 2020, and it found that the number one stressor that we face is, you guessed it, finances, right? Now, this is important, not coronavirus, not working from home with your kids while they're doing school in a 600 square foot apartment, not relationship struggles. No, money is still the number one stressor for so many of us today. And maybe you're facing this right now. Maybe you're facing the stress that comes through finances. Maybe you recently lost your job because of the pandemic, or you've had your hours reduced significantly and it's cut your pay in half, or maybe you're working for an industry that's now becoming obsolete due to the pandemic, or maybe you're in debt and you just had a medical procedure done that just put you over the top, or maybe you're a newlywed that finds yourself fighting with your spouse every single week over money. We all face problems when it comes to our finances. And the biggest question that we get is how do I overcome? How do I navigate past this really important topic? Now, here's what I believe for you. I believe the next five weeks has the potential to to change your life forever. I believe that you can experience financial peace that comes only from God and only by following his principles that we find in his word. And if you're willing to dive in and engage and take action on what we hear, I believe this series has the potential to change your life and the trajectory of your finances. It might not happen overnight, but I guarantee it will happen for you and for your life. Now look, I know money is an awkward topic to talk about, but did you know that Jesus actually talked a lot about money. It's true. In fact, I want to give you a moment to kind of think about it. You're you're here in the chat and you've already said hello and I'm watching from wherever or praise God, hashtag my favorite song. 
Here's what I want you to do. I want to give you a few seconds, a few moments to type in a famous parable or teaching that Jesus did regarding the topic of finances. Let's see how many we can come up with in just this 30 second time frame. Go ahead and type it in the chat. Think about all the illustrations, all the things that Jesus talked about when it came to money. I'll give you a few examples. There's the widow's offering, right? Where Jesus pointed out the two coins that he saw a widow donate. There's the parable of the talents, right? One was given 10, one was given five, another was given one. Uh, There's the story of Jesus out fishing and he has a disciple pull out a fish and inside the fish's mouth is a coin, right? Jesus taught an awful lot about money. In fact, just about half of his parables revolved around the topic of money. Now, why did Jesus talk so much about the topic of money? Was it because he was money hungry? Was it because he wanted the latest BMW that was a camel or or a donkey? I don't know what. No, Jesus didn't talk about money because he wanted to get rich or anything like that. No, Jesus talked about money because of the implications it has for our lives. Let me give you one key verse that Jesus talks about when it comes to money. Matthew chapter 6 verse 21. He says this, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Wherever the treasure of your heart is, right, or whatever the treasures are, there the desires of your heart will be also. In other words, your finances often determines your focus. How you spend your money often reveals what matters to you and what is at the core of your heart. Now, let me give you an example of this. Back five years ago, 2016, we needed to get a new car. I mean, our old car had had it. It was dying on us. And I got to be honest, I'm kind of like a cheapo. Those that know me closest, they know like I'm a thrifty shopper, that type of person. So I'm a cheapo. And I was refusing to accept the fact that our car is done, the fact that it's dead. One time, I was driving the car down midtown Manhattan during rush hour. In fact, right on the corner of 38th Street and 7th Avenue. Had my blinker on to turn right, and as I was turning right, the car completely shut off. Right in midtown Manhattan during rush hour. So I said a quick prayer. Come on, revving the engine. Come on, Lord. I did the whole thing. Why do we do this to cars every time? I I gave it a tap. I hit it. I don't know why. And so at that moment, I realized, man, it's time to get a new car. And Danielle gives me a mandate. Get me a new car before our son, Landon, is born. So I caved in. Immediately, we buy a new car. And immediately, I become possessive of the car. I mean, I noticed that Blake is breathing a little bit heavy on the car. And he's fogging up the windows. And he's spelling his name with his grimy fingers. And I'm yelling at him at it. Blake, you're making the windows dirty. Stop breathing on the car. Then Danielle can't drive the car suddenly because, you know, she adjusts the seats and the mirrors and she leaves her coffee cup in the holder. And sometimes if you leave the coffee cup for more than 24 hours, the coffee cup could start leaking in the new car. So I banned Danielle. She's done. She cannot drive the new car anymore. Then I remember one time I had just finished paying for the car to go through a car wash. Hadn't even driven the car one mile when a dirty old pigeon flew by and dropped one right on the car windshield. I had an instantaneous panic attack. (laughs) Now, besides the fact that I'm OCD, why am I telling you this story? 
Because I think it proves to us that how we spend our money determines what matters most to us. Where we spend our money often has our full intention. Jesus said it, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And so that's why we're doing this series. It's not really a money issue. It's a heart issue. Now, as we look at this topic of finances, let's admit that every single one of us here is living in what I'm going to call a present financial picture, a present financial picture. What do I mean by this? Well, on your screen, I'm going to show you four pictures and I want you to choose the one that best represents right now your financial picture today. All right. So let's look at picture number one. Now, what is this picture? This is a picture of a beach. This looks nice, right? In the middle of January, this looks and feels nice, right? The water is calm. The sun is glistening outside. Everything just feels peaceful. And some of you, you're there today, right? That's how your finances look. You've been wise. You've saved. You've avoided debt or you've worked hard to get out of debt. You're experiencing the joy and generosity as a result. And that's your financial picture today. You're living comfortably and it's peaceful. Let me give you the second picture here. Take a look at this one. Now, what is this a picture of? This is a picture of what I'm going to call just an average normal day, right? You're not really at the beach, but it's not storming outside, right? You're kind of just living normally like everyone else. Things aren't great. They're not bad. They're just normal. Now, what does normal look like for all of us financially? Well, normal means that we're a majority, right? We're a majority of the Americans who live paycheck to paycheck. Maybe you've got a little bit saved in retirement, a little bit saved in some savings, but you've also got a little bit of debt as well. So some of us, that's our picture, not the beach, but we're just normal like everyone else. Let me give you the third picture here. Look at this next one. Now, what is this a picture of? This is a picture of clouds, a storm that is about to come. Now, just hearing the words finances makes you immediately think of this picture, right? Things aren't great, but they're not terrible, but they're about to be. There's no sun. There's no blue skies. It feels like it's going to get worse instead of getting better. And some of us, this is how it looks for us right now. Let me give you a fourth picture. And maybe you're there at this one. Look at this next picture. What, what is this a picture of? An all-out tornado, right? For, for some of us, our financial picture feels like a tornado, just devastation everywhere. Things are out of control. We don't know if we're going to survive. We're drowning in debt. We're wondering, how is this going to stop? Am I ever going to get this mess cleaned up? Maybe that's you, and that's where you are today. If that's you, I believe that it's God's will for you and I to experience the first picture, the beautiful, the beach day when it comes to our finances. I genuinely believe this because I believe it's God's will for you to experience calm waters instead of the crashing waves, to experience hope on the horizon instead of fear and trepidation, a trustworthy plan instead of letting the current season or situations take us wherever they might be. That's God's best. And if we're honest, I think that's what we want too. And so today, as we lay the foundation for our finances and for the rest of the series, I want to give us a few actions that we have to take in order to change the picture 
that we're living in today. You can access these here on your notes as well. But in order to change our financial picture, number one, the first step is you have to have a vision of your financial future. You have to have a vision of your financial future. If you ever want to change your current situation right now, you have to know where do you want to be. In fact, look at Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Great wisdom in this verse. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, another translation of this, it says, without vision, people cast off restraint or they're unrestrained. Does this sound like anybody's finances, right? Unrestrained. Another translation says, without vision, people go their own way. Now, what I mean by all of this is that if we don't have a clear picture of our future, our preferred future, if we don't have goals and dreams and desires and go after it, we're just going to drift along with what everyone else is doing. We're just going to drift along to what we feel like is important in the meantime. Now, the reason why so many of our financial pictures don't look the way we want it to is because our nearsighted desires are closer than our farsighted dreams, right? Our nearsighted desires are closer than our fear, uh, farsighted dreams. What do I mean by that? Well, I know I should be saving and I know I should be getting ahead, but I deserve that new coach purse because it was a bad Christmas. It was a bad winter for me. I know I should be working hard to get out of debt, but I need the PlayStation 5. I mean, I got to live a little, right? Oftentimes, our nearsighted desires are clearer and stronger than our farsighted dreams. So let me ask you this. What is your vision for your financial future? What do you dream of doing one day financially? If you don't know the answers, my encouragement for you is to take some time this week and write that down. Where am I now and where do I want to be? Now, this is a tough process. It's a tough step, but I guarantee you the benefits will far outweigh the consequences. In fact, for our life, that's what it was. Five years ago this time when we bought that new car, we were drowning in debt bad. We were maxing out our credit cards. We were not paying off our student loans, just the minimum payment. We were just overwhelmed in debt. We didn't know what our future looked like. We didn't even know what our current situation was. And so one day, Danielle and I, we sat down. We created a budget. We listed out all the debts that we had, and it was a significant amount, over 60000 combined in debt. We realized we were just drifting from one fancy pleasure to the next to the next, and we needed to get on a plan. We did that, worked hard, and today we are living debt-free. Praise God. Come on, somebody. And I share that not to say, look at me or look at us, but I share that to say with all honesty, if we can do it, I know you can do it too. So you've got to have a clear picture of where you need to go financially. Number two in your notes, number two is you have to have the right thinking. You have to have the right thinking. Now, you can't change your financial picture if you're thinking just like everyone else thinks about finances. You have to think the right way when it comes to handling your finances. 
Now, what do I mean by this? Here's a big one. In fact, you need to write this down because this is powerful and this is big. All right, ready? Most of the times we think someone else or something else is the problem. I'm going to say this in love. You are the problem. Not someone, not something else. Too many times we think our problems are external, but in reality, we are the problem. We say this all the time. If only I made more money, then I'd be fine. Or if my boss actually paid me what I'm worth, or if I had a better job, my problems would go down. Or if the government, if they would have just given me a $2,000 stimulus instead of that measly 600 and the list of excuses can go on and on and on. Let me share with you one of my favorite quotes. He who is good at making excuses is rarely good at anything else. So we got to stop thinking someone else is the problem, look in the mirror and realize we are the problem. Yes, sometimes things happen outside of our control, but our financial problems begin and end with us. Dave Ramsey says it like this. He says that to experience financial freedom, it's 20% head knowledge, 80% behavior. 20% knowledge and 80% behavior. So you see, attitude is so important. Proverbs says it like this, 23 verse 7, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. If we just think, man, the storm clouds are always going to be around us. This is just the way it is. There's nothing I can do about it. You're right. That's exactly how it's going to be. But if you think, you know what, regardless of my crazy circumstances, I can make the wise decision today. I'm going to set myself up, work hard for my financial success. Guess what? If you do that, your picture is going to change. You see, we have to think the right way about debt. We have to think the right way about spending and saving and generosity and trusting God. For some of us, this is the most important shift that we've got to make to recognize we are the problem. Number three in your notes, the third aspect is you have to have the right attitude toward God. Have the right attitude toward God. Financial freedom really comes down to an issue of control. Now, this is difficult because we love control, right? With my new car, I wanted to control everything because it was mine. I bought it with my money. But have you ever noticed one of the first words kids learn as a toddler is that word mine, right? In fact, both of our boys, their first words was always dada, right? I'm the man, then dada, then mama, then Mine. <laughs> Mine is something we learn and are instilled with even from at birth. But when it comes to having the right attitude toward God, it's actually about lordship. You see, Jesus being our Savior and Jesus being Lord are two very different things. Let's face it, we love the Savior part, right? Jesus being our Savior, it means that He loves us. It means that he forgives us. It means that he accepts us. It means that he's fighting for us. Let's be honest. We love that. We resonate with that. But Jesus says, my Lord is so much different because the word lordship means supreme or to rule. So to change our financial picture, we have to surrender our finances to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, how do we do this? First thing you got to do is you've got to acknowledge the sovereignty of God in your finances. 
acknowledge the sovereignty of God in your finances. What, what does that mean? It means that not everything is mine, but everything belongs to God. It is his and his alone. A great example of this is King David in the Old Testament. King David was a king. He had a lot of possessions and he was in charge of the nation of Israel. But look at what David says in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 11 and 12. It says, yours, O Lord. Who's Yours, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come where? Come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion people are made great, and given strength. Now, see, I was overemphasizing these words, but David was the king of that kingdom, but he still recognized that all of it belonged to God. In fact, David understood this. He understood there's a big difference between owning something and possessing it. A difference between owning and possessing something. But also, how do I surrender to the lordship of Christ? You also have to do the second thing, which is recognize that what we have is on a temporary loan from God. Now, it's easy to think that because we possess something, that we own it, right? Technically, if our name is on it, we think we're the owner. But if you're a follower of Jesus, he, he taught us from the beginning that God the Father owns it all and that we are stewards responsible to use it in the way that he desires, in fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2 says it like this. It says, now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. You see, that's your responsibility. That's my responsibility, to be faithful and manage well what he's entrusted to us. So how do we change our financial picture? We've got to get a vision. We've got to have the right thinking. Got to have the right attitude toward God. Number four is be willing to change our actions. To be willing to change our actions. Now, we could have the right attitude. We could have the right thinking. But at the end of the day, if we want a different financial picture, we have to change our behaviors. We have to change some of our habits, right? If nothing changes, well, then nothing changes. Now, let's face it. Nobody likes change, right? Not a single person likes change. In fact, one of the favorite jokes that I've heard is that the only person who likes change is a baby with a dirty diaper, right? But even they cry when they're changed, right? So nobody here likes change. But remember, Dave Ramsey said, financial freedom is what? It's 20% knowledge, 80% behavior. For many of us, financial problems are not math problems for us. They're behavior problems. Now, according to the Federal Reserve Board, they did a study and revealed that almost 50% of Americans spend more than they earn, right? That's a behavior problem. In America today, for those who carry credit card debt, the average credit card debt is $16,000. As a country, today we owe $890 billion in credit card debt. Now, I'm sure some are emergencies, but I'm willing to bet that a majority is behavioral. Look at what Proverbs 21 verse 5 says. It says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Now, just to make it real simple, what is a shortcut? A shortcut is, I can't afford this right now, 
but I want it, so I'm going to get it. A shortcut will always lead to poverty. It will lead to the hovering storm clouds. So some changes that we've got to make in your notes, I put them here. Self-denial, right? That's one of the first changes you've got to make is self-denial. To change the picture from a tornado to storms and from storms to an average day to an average day to the beach, it's going to take a lot of hard work, but it's possible. You're going to have to say no to some things now so that you can have what you really want later. One of my favorite business people to read is Zig Ziglar, who also happened to be a Christian. And he said this, he said, the chief cause of failure and unhappiness is trading what you want most for what you want right now, right? The chief cause of unhappiness and failure is trading what you want most for what you want now. So self-denial, then there's self-discipline. Now, I wish there was an easy way to achieve financial freedom, but it's going to take self-discipline, right? Getting into debt, easy, right? Just pull out the credit card, swipe. Getting out of debt, hard, but it's worth it, right? If you live like no one else, then one day you're going to live like no one else. Another thing to learn is to trust God, right? Trust God with this area. Look at this next verse, Proverbs eleven twenty eight. It says, trust in your money and down you go, but the godly flourish like leaves in the spring. Now, earlier I said, the principles we're going to discuss have the power to change your life. Now, I know this sounds like a big statement, but the reason I feel this way is because it changed my life. Now, I shared a little bit about our financial story that within four years, we were able to pay off $80,000 of debt. That included our new car, that included multiple credit cards, that included all of our student loans. But again, guys, there is nothing special here about me. For those of you here who are watching this service and you say, you know, Pastor, my, my financial picture right now, it's like the beach. There's nothing special about them, right? It's about making changes today that is going to impact their tomorrow. So let me just ask this. Journey, what if that could be our financial picture in five years? The picture of the beach. What if that could be your financial picture if you made some changes today? What if that could be your picture in 18 months? What if that could be your picture by the end of the year? I'm telling you, it's possible. And I believe that this is God's best for you and for me, living financially free. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Jesus says this. He says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. Now, could it be sometimes the reason why we're facing Financial stress and financial pleasures is our pressures is because we are living this verse backwards. We're asking God to give us everything we need, and if we have everything we need, then I'll seek you, God. But no, it's it's got to be the opposite. Maybe just maybe you're facing financial troubles and pressures in your life right now, because God is using it as a way to get you to seek Him above all else. I guarantee it, you won't be able to change your financial picture without the help of God. Because remember what Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be awesome. So the better prayer is not, God, change my financial picture, 
But God, start here and change my heart. Let's take a moment. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time where we can look to your word and talk about some tough topics like finances and how to overcome. And God, I know many of us here who are watching and listening to this message are probably not where we want to be when it comes to our finances. God, help us not to feel condemnation, but to feel the voice of your Holy Spirit right now, to help us feel that voice telling us that it's not too late to change. It's not too late to begin again. And God, before we pull out our budget, before we pull out our, our statements and our checkbooks, God, I pray that you help us to offer up our hearts before you today. Because God, we know that a changed heart is what matters most. You don't care about our finances as much as you care about our hearts. And so God, help us today to surrender our lives, our hearts to the Lordship and leadership of Jesus Christ. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.